The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hey, thank you, and good afternoon, everyone. I'm Diane Scalzi, the Zoom host for this event. And uh, on the panel today, we have uh, Matt Valbrecht, Cliff Miller, and um, all, both from uh, TTJ Tech, and we have Jason Castanway. I hope I said it right, Jason. Castanway, um, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> He, he is streaming for ACB Radio, so I want to thank all of you for um, coming in, either live or on ACB Radio, and I will turn the program over to Matt. Well, thank you so much, Diane. I really appreciate it. Welcome. Thanks so much for, for having us. Thanks, Jason, for streaming, and thank you to all of you for joining us today, uh, however you're listening in uh, to this today, and uh, we are very excited to be here with you today. Um, you've probably seen the uh, topic listed in the agenda, and we'll get started with it right away because, you know, it's almost that time of year. Uh, it's almost the time of year when Apple holds its annual Worldwide Developers Conference, or WWDC. As a matter of fact, Apple has already announced WWDC 2021 as a virtual event which will be held June, the week of June 7th of 2021. Now, typically every year on that first day of WWDC, they hold a uh, keynote event uh, that gets a lot of publicity. And uh, that keynote event is designed to, uh, to give people a first look at some of the many new features that will be included in Apple's next software updates. Now, that's a bit generalized. Sometimes WWDC sees hardware introductions. Uh, for example, in 2017, we saw the introduction of the 10.5-inch iPad Pro, and we saw the first look at Apple's HomePod. Um, and I believe we've had a hardware introduction at WWDC since then. I'm thinking there was a uh, maybe a Mac Pro if I if I'm not mistaken, but nevertheless, it's it's primarily a software focused event, and you you get to see what's new in all of the major operating systems: TVOS, WatchOS, HomePod software, iOS and iPadOS, and of course macOS. And so you really get uh, introduced to all of that, and coinciding with that is the the typically the release of the initial. Um, pre-release software, the betas for all of these major platforms. And for the past several years, Apple has been making the betas available to the public as well as to registered developers. It's usually not uh, right away for, develop for, for public beta testers. It's usually uh, sometime in early July, late June, uh, till you know, usually about the second beta 
that's released to developers becomes the first public beta, typically. And uh, basically, what we want to do today is talk a little about beta testing. What is it like? What are some things to keep in mind? And is beta testing for you? And we're doing it now a little bit early because I actually believe that if you want to get started with beta testing, if you've never done it before and you just kind of want to get your feet wet, um, a, a great time to start beta testing is near the end of an operating system's life cycle. Uh, because by that point in time, that operating system is very, very solid. So for example, iOS 14, the stable quote unquote release is version 14 point, uh, 14.4 point. What are we up to? Point two, I think maybe, but as beta testers, we've been running 14.5 for a while now. And, you know, while I'm not permitted to talk about, um, the, the details of the beta 14.5, um, you know, I can say that, that there'd be nothing wrong with running that on, on any of your devices at this point. And so, you know, as the operating systems mature, it becomes easier and easier. Uh, you know, uh, you see fewer and fewer issues in, in betas. When you, when we start with what we can assume is iOS 15, um, you know, there are certain to be bugs, uh, there will. Uh, and, and so it, it's, you know, definitely not for the, uh, faint of heart. It's that, you know, it, uh, I, I kind of liken it to a, uh, being a test pilot, except without the, uh, potential side effects, uh, that go with actually flying an unproven aircraft, you know, but we are testing, uh, unproven software. We are testing things that are bound to have issues. And as beta testers, uh, that's part of it. So I want to talk a little about that first. I'd like to share with you some background on it. And then I'd like to let, uh, I'd like to ask uh, trainer Cliff to share his experiences, beta testing, and I'll share mine as well. One of the first things that I want to say about beta testing is I believe more people should be doing it. And there are already hundreds of thousands probably around the world, if not more. Uh, but I believe even more people should be doing it. And I especially believe even more voiceover users uh, ought to be doing it because um, to the degree that there are any bugs in the uh, beta software, voiceover is going to just uh, magnify that because, you know, it, it voiceover requires a lot more than meets the eye. Okay. And, and, you know, we don't realize it because voiceover works so well. Apple's done a brilliant job of, of making it feel like it's, you know, very, very simple and easy. The reality of it is a screen reader is very hard on an operating system and on a device. It requires a lot of resources to do what it does. And since, uh, voiceover users are only a small, small fraction, uh, of the, uh, user base, uh, we need all the the help we can get, I think, in, in beta testing, but not just for voiceover. I, I also believe that um, this is the way in which we can most directly contribute our feedback, and we truly are helping to shape the final releases of the operating systems. Um, it's a job that I take very, very seriously, the beta testing. It, it's something that I believe is... Uh, something I've been called to do. And, and it's something that, um, as I said, I, I, I don't take it lightly. I take it very seriously. Um, I, I don't, you know, there's sometimes I get the impression 
that some people want to be beta testers just because they want to download the new software and try out the new features, you know, ahead of time. And, and that's not, that's not how I look at this. I look at this as a job, albeit a volunteer position, but a, a job in which, you know, I am using this software to help make it better for everyone else. Um, not just for me. I mean, there's that too, uh, but to help make it better for everyone else. And, you know, there've been a few years where it's been a little bit rough at times, um, you know, and, and, uh, you get a little bit tired. And as you finally wind up near the end of it, uh, you think, well, maybe, maybe I'll take a year off. Maybe I won't beta test next year, but I've never been able to do that because I always think then what if there's some feature, what if there's something and I'm the only one who finds it. And if I don't beta test, maybe nobody finds it. And that's not an ego thing. I promise. Okay. Because I give all the glory to God and there are a number of very, very capable beta testers, all right? But the, the fact of the matter is we can only test so much. We can only test the things that we experience, the things that we use, and we try to test everything. As beta testers, we try to put the device through its paces, but you're still not going to catch everything. I have every single year, I'll be honest with you, every year without exception so far since I've started serious beta testing, which was in uh, I guess iOS nine or 10, um, every single year I have found something that I didn't find initially that I, you know, maybe two or three weeks into beta testing, I, I made a mistake of assuming that an entire app was accessible or that there were no bugs in an entire process or sequence, or, you know, and, and because I assumed, well, if this part of it works, the rest of it must work. And then two or three weeks later, when I actually go to do that thing, I find a bug and I think, how did I miss this? How did I, you know, literally just gloss over this and not realize that it was there? And, and as I say, without exception, that has happened every single year. I'd love to get to a year where that doesn't happen, either because there aren't <laughs> that many bugs or because, uh, you know, I'm that diligent that I don't, but it, it has happened every year. Um, and this is why we need more beta testers because more beta testers means more people putting devices through their paces, doing different things. And, you know, there's a thousand, more than a thousand, I'm sure, different scenarios with different devices. And there's millions, billions even probably of lines of code. And, you know, we're not perfect, right? So this is a major process. And that's the thing I think that keeps me coming back to beta testing every year uh, is what if I am really the only one to find that, to catch that, you know? Um, and, and, and that is, you know, my desire is to help make the software the best that it can possibly be. And, and, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about here today is the feedback and how Apple deals with that. So let's just, uh, let's just talk about, first of all, the process uh, of beta testing is very simply to choose at least one device that you're going to beta test on. Now, Apple says you should not use your primary device. And they've got to say that, okay? They've got to say that because they don't want to be held responsible if you suddenly can't use your primary device for something that you need to use it for, right? Um, I can't officially disagree with what Apple's saying. I can't officially tell you to use your primary device. 
I can tell you, I use my primary devices because if I'm, if I don't do that, if I, if I use a secondary device, this is what I know I will do. I will end up going back to the primary device. Anytime I want to do something meaningful, I won't use that secondary device. I'll rely on the device that has the quote unquote stable version. And so consequently, I'm not testing things on the secondary device the way I need to. The only way I can be what I view to be a a thorough and successful beta tester is if I'm using the the software 24-7, if I am using it in everything that I do, because that's the only way I am bound to catch things and find things. That's how I have found those, you know, two or three weeks later things that I, uh, you know, didn't uh, expect to find is, is usually not because I'm testing, uh, but because I'm just using the device and suddenly I run across something. Now, um, the, uh, the only exception to this would be if you use your device in a public setting where other people can see it or need to access it, uh, then by all means, you can't use that uh, primary device because you are not permitted to show that device to anyone. And that brings me to the second point about beta testing when you get started is that you have to be prepared to enter into a non-disclosure agreement or an NDA uh, to sign an NDA with Apple. And I want to talk about this for a minute because this is something, again, that I take very, very seriously. And uh, trainer Cliff and I both, uh, we we co-moderate, we run a a list on groups.io called public beta users. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, but we, uh, we take that NDA very, very seriously. We do not permit people to discuss the betas on other lists that we run. And we don't, uh, we don't permit people to just sort of lurk on the list if they're not planning on beta testing. There are people I know who publicly, you know, post to YouTube and stuff. I see it all the time. You know, they post to YouTube, hey, these are the, the newest features in iOS and, and stuff in the beta. And I don't know how they get away with it. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, I'm not going to condemn them or judge them, but I, I don't know how they get away with it. But they're not supposed to be doing that. And I certainly don't want to be among those <laughs> who do it. I don't want to risk that, uh, that relationship with Apple over, uh, you know, over something like that. Uh, so we take that NDA very, very seriously. We uphold that we, you know, you cannot show this to people. Um, you cannot talk about any aspect of the beta that Apple has not already talked about. Now, if they've announced it publicly on stage, you know, if they've publicly said it or it's listed on the, the website, the list of features, you can talk about it within the confines of what they've shown. Um, but that's the, yeah, that's the only, uh, that's the extent of it. So you will um, begin the process by going to, beta.apple.com and you'll sign in and you'll sign the agreement uh, and you'll download a profile to whatever device you want. Um, and they'll walk you through how to do that. It's you know a little bit different for each of the devices, but you'll download a profile. Um, this year, we were able to test iPhone, iPad, uh, Apple TV, Apple Watch, and Mac. Um, and so you will download whatever profiles you, you need in the ways that you're walked through doing it. I won't, you know, go over all those in detail, but it's very simple, very straightforward. Um, and, and it all can be done on directly on the device you plan to enroll in the beta program. 
And typically, you enroll a device, and uh, many times you have to restart the device also. And then once you do that, um, you just go to software update. And now the device sees that beta version as a regular software update. And it's as simple as that. So um, what is the expectation? You know, once you do this, well, the expectation is that you will, as I said, put the device through its paces and that you will find and then report your findings. And the most critical thing we're looking for here is bugs, things that are, you know, are not working as they are designed to work. Now, anybody that knows Cliff or me or, or both of us uh, and who has you know worked with us, has who listened to us for a while, you know that we are extremely, extremely conservative about using the word bug. It's not a word I, I like to use lightly. And the reason for that is because there are people who try something once, and as soon as it doesn't behave the way they think it ought to behave, they say it's a bug. And there have actually been people who report stuff to Apple as bugs based upon that only to find out it isn't really a bug. And when you do that, you really are wasting Apple's time. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be rude. But it's just a simple fact. They get billions of requests. They have billions of things to work on. They don't need you distracting them by telling them something's a bug when it really isn't. So we are very, very cautious about using the term bug or saying that something is a bug if it really isn't. And that's one of the many reasons we've created the public beta users at groups.io listserv, because number one, we want to provide a safe place for people to discuss the iOS and macOS and other betas. We want to provide a friendly environment where we can help each other, we can support each other, and we can also tie our feedback reports together if, uh, if such a need would arise. But we also want to provide a place where there are more um, users to bounce ideas off of in the sense of, hey, this isn't working, and I think maybe it's a bug, but will you try it and maybe do some things I didn't think of and maybe you know report back to me? And so we encourage anybody that beta tests to, to find a group. Now, we love having anybody that, that wants to join, and you know we'd love for you to join our public beta users list. Um, but, you know, whatever the, whatever the group is that you choose, find a, you know, a group of people that you can work with on this. And before you go filing feedback reports to Apple, you know, consult the group and, and let them respond, let them try it and uh, see, see if everybody's experiencing the same thing, if it's isolated, you know, what it is that may be actually going on. Now, I'll give you a perfect example. I mentioned that I always put the, the software on my primary devices. However, what I typically do before that is I install the initial public beta on my my kids' devices because they like to beta test also. And um, they're not voiceover users. So I'll, when they're ready, I'll, you know, have them put it on their devices and then periodically I'll use their devices with voiceover just to make sure that it's at least reasonably usable. Because... I do use my devices for my work, for everything. And so, you know, if, if there's something critical, I may just need to wait, you know, a, a beta or two before I install it on mine. Now, last year, I installed the initial beta on my daughter's iPad, and I went into different apps, and I'm testing things, and I found what I thought was a major bug 
in the calendar app with voiceover. And you all know what I'm talking about because I tried to look for date pickers and they weren't there. And so I actually had a, uh, I didn't take my own advice, you know, and I actually had a, a, a feedback report ready to send to Apple. And in the middle of typing it, finally, you know, I, I felt, I said, you know, I said to my daughter, will you just check this out? Uh, see if you're seeing the same thing that I am. And she looked at it and she said, well, what's wrong with it? And I said, well, the date pickers aren't there. She said, what do you mean date pickers? This is how we've always done it. And so what I came to realize was Apple had simply changed the way you do it with voiceover. It was a design change on purpose, not a bug. So of course, I immediately deleted that bug report and never sent it because it wasn't a bug. And I, you know, I learned how to use it. I learned how to, uh, how to use it properly um, and was able to be successful with it. And then I was ready to teach it to others when the, the software was released publicly. So very important that you, you understand that a design change is not a bug. Whether you like the design change or not, it, it's, not <laughs> it's not a bug, okay? It, it, we're looking for things that really are not working. And the second thing that I would encourage when you do your reporting, I know some people are not going to like some of the stuff I'm saying today, by the way, and I promise I'm not being mean, all right? But I, I know there's going to be people that are, uh, you know, rattled by what I'm saying. But, I, you know, <clears throat> the second thing that I would encourage is to prioritize your bug reports and choose to make something a top priority if it has no workarounds, if it actually completely disrupts your ability to do a certain thing. Let me give you a couple examples. Over the years, I've seen these kind of bug reports uh, get posted to um, our list. And uh, I, I know sometimes people think I'm being dismissive of them when really I'm trying to be encouraging, but you know, we get these kind. Well, um, I don't like the way voiceovers pronouncing such and such a word. Now they, they change the way it's pronounced and boy, it really annoys me. Or there's no longer a, the same tone when you summon Siri. Uh, these are not serious problems. First of all, we can't prove whether they're design changes or bugs. And people, oh, well, I, I know they're a bug because, no, you don't. You're not an engineer. You don't work for Apple. So number one, you got to get that in your mind. We can't prove that it's not a design change. Number two, even if it is a bug, it really isn't affecting you. All right, so what? It pronounces something differently. So what? The tone is different than what you expected. If you really want to report this, get the all the other stuff out of the way first, all right? Because I was seeing on our list those kinds of reports when there were much more serious things like, for example... At that time, it was not possible to share a note collaboratively with VoiceOver, um, and this was back in iOS 13. Of course, that was fixed before it got to the public, but the point was people were worrying about those little things that really meant nothing at the end of the day, really didn't stop you from doing anything, while there were actually issues that did stop you from doing things that people needed to be able to do. So prioritize, all right? If you, you, know, if you see these little things that really don't affect anything, jot them down. But focus on the things that actually totally ruin the whole process. You know, I, I can't share this note collaboratively because voiceover won't read the, the sharing options. Um, you know, we've had issues where, well, this app just completely crashes with voiceover when you, when you launch it, you know. Um, and there was that issue in the calendar last year in an early beta. As soon as you tried to um, select a date, the app would just crash. That's urgent. You know, that, that means somebody literally cannot do 
what they need to do. That's something that needs to be addressed high priority. Now, I would also point out when you're doing your your bug reports, kindness and courtesy go a long way. You know, one of the things we don't get into on our list is is this idea of oh this doesn't work so Apple must not care about us anymore. No, look, there are billions of lines of code. There are billions of users and Apple cares about all of us. Apple will get to them, but they're also human. They also can't read billions of reports a day. They also can't fix billions of things a day. They have to prioritize too. They have to make things, you know, there was a huge thing that happened last year because a watch OS version um, didn't work with voiceover at all in an early beta. And it was an early beta. It was like the first or second watch OS beta. There, I mean, it caused a lot of controversy, petitions and all this other stuff. And here's the bottom line. People are supposed to read the release notes before they install the betas. If they, uh, that was very clearly indicated that if you are a voiceover user, don't install this one. Um, secondly, you know, when you are installing a beta that you could expect problems and some of those problems could prevent you from doing what you need to do. Okay. I have experienced those. There have been times we had an early beta for a, a version recently, actually not that long ago where you literally could not use a Bluetooth keyboard or a smart keyboard, any kind of mechanical keyboard with the iPad for text entry. Um, because when you tried to use anything other than the letters, they wouldn't type. So your control key, your shift key, so you couldn't capitalize anything. You couldn't do any of that stuff unless you did it on screen. And that was not all that long ago. And when that happened to us, you know, we didn't go around blaming Apple. We didn't go around complaining about it because we knew, hey, this is an early beta. These things can happen. So what did we do? We reported it. We reported it in a kind and constructive way. And if we felt that it was really detrimental to us, we restored our devices to a stable version so we didn't have to deal with it. And we waited until the next beta was released and then it was fixed. You know, So those kinds of things you have to keep in mind if you're going to do this, there will be problems. And in depending on how you use your device, it's theoretically possible that one such problem may you know, prevent you from using your device the way you want to. And then you got to choose, can I wait or do I need to restore? You know, um, iOS 13 beta cycle, believe it or not, I uh, made, made up my mind I was not going to restore. And um, I didn't. And it was one of the most um, buggy releases because it was one of the biggest updates with the most new features. So we knew there were going to be a lot of bugs, and there were. Uh, it, it is definitely the year that I have reported more bugs than any other year. And um, so, you know, but but I had convinced myself I'm not going to restore back to 12. I'm going to use this, and, it, and we're going to get through it. And we did, you know, praise God. And iOS 13 ended up being a fantastic release. Uh, 13.0 was not so hot, but 13.0 never made it to the iPad. Uh, it, it started with 13.1. And 13.1 was released for the iPhone like five or six days later or something after the 13.0. So 13.1 was fantastic and, and it only got better and better as, as time went on. And, you know, so these kinds of things that you just have to keep in mind. And when you report bugs, there is a, there is a feedback app, feedback assistant, it's called, 
that you actually use. And one of the most important things that I can tell you is to be thorough about it. Trainer Cliff often says, and I'm going to let him talk in a minute and share his thoughts and his experiences, but he often says that it's like filling out a job application. And that is true. There's tons of fields and they want you to be as thorough as possible. So, you know, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to say, um, my resume is not that long. Okay. Yeah. They, <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you don't, you don't want to say, um, you know, um, the calendar app doesn't work. That that's a meaningless subject line that, that tells them nothing. Um, calendar app crashes when attempting to use date selection while creating an event. Now that's a good title. It sounds wordy, but when you're an engineer dealing with billions of reports, that's the kind of thing you need. And then they'll ask you to describe it step-by-step step, and you really do need to do that. Uh, when, when I went to create a, a date, uh, an event in the calendar, uh, and I chose the date, uh, the calendar app crashed and I returned to the home screen to test this process. And then you list it out. One, turn on voiceover. Two, open calendar and hit add. Three, type your time. I mean, be specific with them. List every step and what the feedback is going to be that they will that they should experience. And if you can, which you can because it's accessible, even create a screen recording and include that in your bug report because then they will hear it. They will see it firsthand. They'll know that it is real. And then what you want to do every time a new beta is released, you want to check on those things you've reported. And if there's still a problem, or if they're not, you have a couple of options. And if there's still a problem, you can go into your bug report and you can amend it. You can add something to it and you can say, hey, this is still not fixed in beta two. This is still not fixed in beta three. You know, you can let them know that that's still a problem. Or if it is fixed, then you have two different options. And I usually like to use both. First thing I'll do is I'll amend it if I'm not sure. Like, yes, it's working now, but boy, I don't know. I'll say, this seems to be fixed in the latest beta, but I'll leave it open so that they can still take a look at it. And then, you know, if it survives another beta or two without being broken again, then I'll close it. You can actually close that report so that it's no longer even in the system as a report. Uh, but I usually wait, you know, a version or two to do that. I usually amend it first and say, hey, it, it appears to be working now. Um, and then, like I say, if it, it continues working, you know, for another version or two, uh, then, then I'll go back in and close it. Um, another important part about the uh, bug reports is to get other people to do the same thing and report it if they're experiencing the problem. This is this is one area where I really do believe, as a community, we are lacking. Um, we had somebody report something in a recent iOS 14 beta. It's fixed now, uh, but it was reported a few betas ago, and then they they a major release got issued and the bug was still there and they came back at the beginning of the next beta cycle and they said i can't believe this issue is still here and i as as one of the mods of the list i responded okay everybody who has filed a bug report about this let me know and i said let's get 10 because there were three people who had experienced the problem i was one of them and i knew i had reported it and one other person on the list was was complaining that it hadn't been fixed and i said well Let's see how many people actually reported this. I said, my goal is to get 10 because when you hit 10, that's a, 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 a signifier for Apple. There's a difference between 
less than 10 or more than 10. I mean, if you can get even more, that's great too. But you know, that, that number in their system raises a red flag. So let's get 10. Let's get 10. You know how many I got? I got three. And that included mine. Three people said they reported it. I said, let's get seven more. And nobody responded. Well, why do you think the bug isn't getting fixed? Because no, <laughs> nobody's doing it. Nobody's reporting it. When you find people that are doing it, you tie the, the reports together. So in your um, description section, you can say this was also experienced by another user. Here's their feedback number. And another user, here's their feedback number. You can list three, four, you know, however many feedback numbers people are willing to give you with that particular report. And, and that way, when the engineers see it, they can look up those other feedback numbers. Maybe they haven't gotten to them yet, you know, because again, you get so many, just look at the numbers sometimes and you'll see what I'm talking about. And uh, maybe they haven't even seen them yet, you know, so you, you reference those feedback numbers and people can now say, oh yeah, this must be a problem because here's eight people, here's 20 people, you know, who are saying the same thing. And we need to, you know, we need to look into this. And so then they do. And I will say this about Apple. They are very good about fixing bugs. They are extremely good about it. Um, I know sometimes that's hard for the public to believe because there's certain things that you perceive as bugs, and maybe they are, that seem to, to, you know, to be held over through multiple iterations. But I'm telling you, as a beta tester, it is, first of all, incredible to see the operating system grow and evolve over the beta cycle. I mean, it's almost like it becomes your baby because it starts out and it can't do this and it can't do that and it can't do this. And the next release, well, now it can do this, but it still can't do that. And then the next one, you know, and before you know it, you've got what appears to be almost a flawless operating system release by the time it's, by the time it's released to the general public. And it is, Apple is very, very good about it. I can honestly say there's never been something I've reported that has not been eventually fixed. Now, sometimes it's taken eh, a couple iterations, you know, there's things once in a while you run into, but you know what, it, it eventually gets addressed. And the, the key thing to do, as I said, is to be kind, to be positive, uh, to be courteous, but to also be diligent, stick with it. You know, I check every single time if I report something and it's not fixed, I go back in and I amend that. And I say, this still isn't working in beta three. This still isn't, this is still an issue in beta four. You know, I, I do that. Again, you can be kind about it. You don't have to be rude, but you you let them know. You stay with it so that they can follow that progress when they finally see the bug report. Um, they can experience it. Um, now, I you know, I've talked a lot about um, what the potential downsides are. You know, maybe experience bugs. Maybe you have to restore your device. Boy, I'm making it sound great, aren't I? But <laughs> let before I turn it over to Cliff, let, let's talk about some of the the positives here. Number one is that even though this is not why we do it, yeah, you do get an advanced look at the new features. And there's maybe some features that you've just been waiting, you know, I think about the feature Cliff and I were so excited about in iOS 13, which was iCloud folder sharing. You know, before that you could share files, but not entire folders. And when we saw that announced, we were just ecstatic about it. And we both tested it at the same time, 13.0, we were thrilled. We were sharing files. And then all of a sudden they removed it because apparently on the Mac, it wasn't ready. And it never came back until what? 13.4 cliff or 13.3. I think it was four. Yeah. I think it was four. I think it was more like the spring. Yeah, it was. It was in the spring. And we were so, you know, we just couldn't believe because we were so excited about that feature. 
So you do get this new, you know, all the new features that they announced, you get them early and your devices can start to, um, can start to benefit from them. That's, that's one positive to this. Um, another positive to it, as I said, is you get to be a part of something meaningful. You know, these devices have changed our lives. They have empowered us, um, you know, to, uh, to totally revolutionize the way we do things. We've been able to do things that we never could do before, you know, because we didn't have an accessible way of doing them and now we can. And so it's a way I think of giving back. It's a way of, you know, helping because you are making it better for everybody else. And, you know, the third, as I see it is, again, you do get some, some say over, I mean, it's not my desire to tell Apple how to, how to make their software. You know, I, I don't, that's not my role. And I haven't felt led to that. If, if God would ever lead me to it, I, I think I would be, I hope I would be obedient and I would do it, you know, but that he, he hasn't. And I, I've never felt that. So I'm not a, an engineer. I don't, you know, I'm not a coder and I don't want to tell Apple what to do or how to do it. I don't have any desire to, I think their software is great. I think their hardware is great. But if I do see something that is blatantly obvious to me or that, you know, needs some attention, then, you know, I do get an opportunity to share that with people who will, um, you know, who will look at it, who will take it seriously and who will evaluate it, you know, for what it's worth. So, um, it, you know, it's something that, um, I've been doing since, as I said about iOS nine was, I think the first year that you could do it publicly. Um, iOS eight was a rough start when it went to the public. Um, we came to find out that the reason it was such a rough start is because there were hardware delays and this caused problems with the software development. And so you might remember some of the weird things about iOS 8.0. I remember one where when you were a voiceover user in iOS 8.0 and you tried to uh, use the keypad while on a phone call, sometimes the touch tones would get stuck and you had to end the call because, you know, I mean, that was a public release, right? You know, but again, iOS 8 got better and better. And by iOS like 8.3, it was amazing. iOS 8.4, I felt it, you know, had been, it was the best operating system I had ever used at that point. Well, it was after that, that they, um, started allowing you to beta test publicly the iOS platform. You already could with Mac before that, but I hadn't, I don't think I had done it. I don't remember. Um, so I started with, with number nine and, you know, as I said, I've been doing it every year since then. Um, the, um, the versions, you know, have, have varied. Uh, iOS 12 was probably the least difficult of any of them that I've ever been a part of because it was a very modest update, even more so than 14. Um, it was extremely, there were hardly any, I might, I might've done five, um, different, you know, I might've had five different bugs and that, that might even be stretching it. Uh, and, and one of them turned out that it really wasn't a bug. It just needed to be clarified in the voiceover hints. So there was really not much at all to um, to take issue with in 12. And then, as I said, 13 was the exact opposite. But we knew it would be. The day that it was announced and previewed at WWDC, when we saw all the new features, right away, Cliff and I both said, we need to start drafting people to beta test right away because it's going to be needed this year. And it, you know, it definitely was. It was by far the most challenging um, of any of them that 
that I have ever done. You know, there were just tons and tons of things. Again, that's not a slam against Apple. It's exactly what we expected because with so many new features and changes, that is what happens. Um, and, and there's things that we don't even realize that are changed behind the scenes, little things that are engineered to be better. You know, sometimes you say, well, they didn't change it. You know, weird little things. They didn't change anything about this app. They didn't announce anything. There's no new features. So why is it suddenly working differently than it did before? Well, because there's there's stuff that's engineered behind the scenes to make it perform better, to make it run better, you know, to uh, make it future-proof, maybe for some new feature that is coming. And, and that can cause bugs too. So, you know, all these things. And so 13 had a ton of both. It had a ton of user-facing new features, but it also had a lot of behind-the-scenes code changes as well. So 13 was was trying, but again, it was so much fun to see it grow because with each new release, there were tons of bugs that were fixed. And you know, often there were still a lot left to go. But you know, again, it was it just got better and better and better as time went on. Now 14's been pretty uh, for the most part, it's been a cakewalk. There there have been a few little things here and there in, in 14. Um, and again, that's kind of reflected in the list of uh, the list of new features. You can almost always tell, you know, and it's sort of modest compared to 13, but still quite a number of new features. And so you had some things along the way, but it all kind of blurs together after a while. You know, that that experience, I don't even remember most of the bugs in 14. Um, As I said, I remember the calendar incident because it was humbling to me because it really wasn't a bug and, uh, you know, little things like that. But I mean, you, you, you forget very quickly as the operating system improves and everything is good, you're happy and, you know, it all just sort of works. So um, that's, uh, I'm going to let Cliff have the floor for a little while and share his thoughts about beta testing and his personal experiences. And uh, then we'll, we'll take some questions and uh, we'll round things up after that. So Cliff. You didn't leave me nothing to say. <laughs> what, what, what was that? That you didn't leave me nothing to say. Well, that's always the goal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but I'll just echo everything that you say. And I was one of those people in the beginning back when there were ways to get your hands on, you know, iOS six and seven and eight before they started public testing. I was one of those people who wanted to do it. Cause I wanted to say, I knew about the feature before you did. Ha ha ha. But no, but nine, but iOS nine came. Yeah. That one was a disaster. iOS 10 and above. Um, and I'll echo what Matt said also, I don't test on a second device. Number one, it's not in my budget. And two, how can I test something if it's not my primary device? I can't test something and report bugs if I'm only doing it part-time. Um, I also beta test on my my Mac and my watch. Um, and both Mac also had a really huge overhaul this year. Um, coming from El Capitan to Big Sur, there was a very there was a big design change the way you interact with notifications. We have a control center now. They move some things around, like little things that you might not think about until you go look for it. Like for instance, I had to um, text one of my I call him a Mac expert the other day because I'm used to being able to set my hourly uh, time announcement in date and time. Well, no, it's not there no more. You got to go to uh, desktop and uh, desktop and uh what is it, desktop and home or something like that um, in order to, to set it because it's under its own thing called time. So, and I guess that makes sense since the clock is on the desktop. So I remember that, Cliff, because I was looking for it too when I got my new Mac <laughs> and I had to, you know, do a lot of digging yep. to finally find it. Yep. Yep. So the, the Mac got a real huge overhaul, big for the better though, because they're basically 
making the Mac or uh, allowing the Mac and iOS to marry each other. And I think it's going to be even more implemented this year. Uh, messages on the Mac look just like messages on the iPad and phone. Um, the way you interact with um, your notifications and, you know, the control center, you know, being able to have, being able to add and subtract stuff from the control center, um, being able to use some iOS apps as long as the developer allows it on Mac OS. So, you know, it's that that was one of the things And Mac um, isn't as far uh, it not advanced. I'm not going to say they're not as stable in the beginning as iOS yet, but I think they're going to get there. There was a lot of bugs and stuff in the beginning with Big Sur this year, but that's why it's a beta. And that's the one thing that I have to emphasize to people that I run in betas, whether you're on my list or not. Don't complain and be mad about certain things not working because you knew this was a beta before you put it on your device. And if you didn't want to encounter these issues, then you shouldn't have you should have just stayed on the stable version until the public release came out. And that's not even guaranteeing it's going to be because there's been some things on launch day that have not worked. But you got to take it, test it. Submit a detailed bug report, fill out that job application, as I call it, because it is lengthy. So if you don't have patience, that's another thing I, that I would emphasize. If you don't have patience, don't beta test because one stuff's not going to work the way you want to all the time. Number one. And number two, if you want to report it, you really have to be thorough. Sometimes they'll even ask you for a screen recording or an audio recording so they can hear what you did so they can, um, you know, mirror it and copy it and, and, and get it right and get it to the people who need to fix it. Um, there's still something on the Mac that doesn't work to this day that worked at first. And that was when you VO shift M to go to do certain options on the dock, it, kicks you out now like matt said you know you don't you know say it's a bug you find the workaround because there's other things that's more important which is what um me and a few other people have done you know there's a workaround with the trackpad there's a workaround with the keyboard um is it ideal is it the way that it used to be of course not but it still works and that's the thing you have to do you have to compensate everything's not perfect not even for some sighted users my wife complains all the time about her screen not refreshing as fast as she wants it to in certain apps and that is probably contingent to the developer and not having the resolution the way it needs to be so it's not just voiceover users that has issues it's you know sighted users have some issues too so you just have to be patient be thorough and that way it'll, it'll get fixed um, and if you're not gonna my thing is if you're not gonna report it then don't whine about it that's the way i put it um yeah, we, we really emphasize not batching anybody, whether it be Apple, their engineers, or people who are taking their time to try and fix these things. Because like Matt said, they are human, so they need time. They're not perfect. They have lives outside of Apple and fixing, you know, issues with betas. So we have to be mindful of that also. What, Matt, you there? There we go. There we go. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was muted there for a minute. Well, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think... Um, I, th I mean, I think we've we've pretty much covered it, right? Yeah. Uh, start taking some questions, see what we'll people might. Questions. Yeah. You know. Okay. Okay. Um, thanks, Matt. And Cliff. hey, Diane, I didn't realize that was you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. This is the this is my first solo flight. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I, 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 we'll, yeah. we'll be nice to you then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Um. All right. So to to go through the commands to uh, raise and lower your hand. Uh, it's still going to be Alt-Y on the PC, Option-Y on the Mac. On the iPhone, though, you're going to have a raised hand button that will be on the screen by itself. You won't have to hit more. 
And uh, on the phone, it is still star nine. Um, now, I will basically give you permission to talk. So once you hear that announcement, you'll have two buttons. One of them will allow you to unmute. The other one will allow you to stay muted. Obviously, if you have a question, you want to hit unmute. Um, now, I believe, uh, and, and it's also... Um, <clears throat> It's also Command-Shift-A on the Mac, and um, there's an unmute button on the iPhone. Now, I think on the regular phone, if I, once I give permission to unmute, I think you are automatically unmuted. However, if I'm wrong about that, then try star six. Uh, so our first, our first uh, question is from Wes. Wes, you may unmute. Yes, you're talking about how you got this non-disclosure agreement and, you know, you don't want to show that to anybody else or sold in public. So that means if, like, if you're beta testing, like, uh, an iPhone or an iPhone OS, that means you cannot take it out of the house to use it out there in the real world because I feel like I'm going to test something. I need to take it with me, take it out on the buses or whatever, you know, use it to, you know, ride the bus, use it to shop at the store, use the Apple wallet to make payments, you know. So, I mean, are not allowed to do that when beta testing? Because I, feel that I don't think the agreement says you can't take it out of the house. I think you can. You just have to keep it to yourself. Yeah, but what if you got it out in public, you're paying stuff at the store with, it used to track the, you know, the, transit tracker on the buses and somebody looks over your shoulder and sees the screen. I mean, is that violation of the Well, that would really be a, I think probably an individual call. Apple doesn't really address that directly, but you know, there's usually, if you're not showing them anything that's different or that's new, they're probably not aware of it. And most people aren't, aren't standing there just looking at your phone because they're doing their own thing. So, I don't think that's too much of a concern. If you are, you could use screen curtain. Um, you know, if that is something you're uh, worried about that, you know, where three finger uh, uh, triple tap, which of course hides the content of the screen while voiceover is on. And also when you're doing this beta testing, it's all possible to step back to the current stable operating system. If this turns out that you just cannot use the new OS, you know, and you there you are stuck without a phone. You don't have your, laptop or whatever i would caution before you even attempt to beta test to be sure that you're going to be i like to call in all in or nothing because in order to go back in at least in previous years you needed a, a desktop computer to do so because you got to put it in what they call dfu mode and reload the previous os okay and right so yeah okay um next is Karen M. You may unmute. Hi. Um, Hi. I, I, re I firmly believe in if you see something, say something. So, and I did testing when I was working. So, um, on various pro systems. So, I think Wes asked my question already. Um, if I want Pro and an iPhone, I'm thinking I would do it on my iPhone which is an older model and, you know, less precious to me. So um, if I wanted to get out of it on my iPhone after I started, it doesn't sound like I can. Well, you can, but you have to either have 
you have to either have your own computer or have access to somebody's computer where you can connect the phone and restore it to factory state and then restore from a backup or whatever you choose to do at that point. So it is possible for iPhone and iPad, at least, to restore them and download the stable version again. But you do have to have a computer. And it doesn't have to be your own. As I said, as long as you know somebody's willing to let you connect your phone and, and do that, that, that's still okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, next is uh, phone number, area code 724, ending in 331. You may unmute if it hasn't happened already. <laughs> Again, if you need to unmute, uh, go with star nine. I'm sorry, star six. I think it is star nine. Is it star? Is it star nine? Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I've always heard of star nine. Yeah. Okay, well, um, give give it a shot. Okay, ask to unmute is um are you there? Um it, it's saying ask to unmute, um, which I think means but it's not Okay, it, it's saying I'm unmuted. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. I un- it took it like three or four times before it took effect. Um, okay, my name is Lynn, and Karen kind of touched on my question. Um, my situation right now is I have an iPhone 7 Plus, and I am considering purchasing, I'm not exactly sure what, a newer iPad. I have like an iPad Mini 3 or something right now. So I'm considering purchasing a newer iPad and doing the, you know, applying and doing the beta testing on the iPad. So once I purchase a newer iPad and I would do beta testing on it and it's a little farther into the, um, you know, the testing period, um, could I... Once I purchase a newer iPhone, and I guess I'm also asking, is it better to test on the newer um, versions of the products? So once I I purchased a newer iPhone, could I also include that in the beta testing? Yes. Go Go ahead, ahead, Matt. I was just going to say that if you plan on doing it on your newer devices, that's going to be absolutely fine. But if I had to guess, I would assume that the iPhone 7 probably won't be supported in the upcoming iOS. What are we on? 14? Um, yeah, we're, well, 15 will be next. 15. Yeah. So, because I don't even, I think it's barely running on, I think 14 is barely running on the 7 now. So, um, and I think they do seven year cycles, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, I mean, Matt might have a different take on that. Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, it's quite possible. I, you know, I don't know at this point, but. Um, yes, you can test on as many devices as you want. And if, I mean, that's a tough one to answer because they're certainly going to run better on the newer devices. There's no question about that. Uh, but we also need people testing on the older devices if it, if it's supported on those as well, you know, cause they could have a whole different set of issues. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that's going to be up to you at that point. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey. Uh, okay, next is 1505, ending in 638. You are allowed to talk. Yes, hello, this is Beth from Hi New there. Mexico. And um, I have a 6S that I acquired that is almost brand new, but uh, it's um, I haven't been able to get the passcode to it. Now, 
I would still like to use it. I, I believe that I will get the passcode to it. But what does it mean it won't be supported? So the 6S was released in, well, let me see. Um, was it 2015, Cliff? 14 or 15? I'd say 14 if I had to guess. So that would make it seven years old. And, and it, you know, what happens is eventually the devices just are not capable of running the newest software. So I would say that the success that, that it won't run the newest software, but it can still it can still function on its own. Right. I mean, for a beginner's iPhone, it's it would still be OK, right? Um, It would be OK in the sense that it will still function as best it can on whatever it is capable of running. Um, but I, you know, I would I would urge you to keep in mind the fact that the older the device is, um, the the slower it's going to be, and the less well it's going to perform. Uh, and it may be. See, I, I I would the place where I would respectfully disagree with you is that it would be the right thing for a beginner because I would actually want a beginner to have the latest thing because it's going to be a much, much better experience. You know, if a beginner is using a seven-year-old phone, what they're going to experience is a very, very slow uh, device that, you know, will not um, will not run nearly as well as what something brand new or, you know, at least within the past two or three years uh, would run. So, yes, it will run. Uh, it, you know, it, it'll run on whatever it's last able to do. And, you know, I know people who do that, um, but our, our philosophy here on the TTJ team, uh, and if trainer Rita were here, she, she's not able to make it today, but if she were here, I know she would agree with this too. Cause she always tells people when your device can no longer accept the newest iOS or Mac OS or whatever it is, then it's time to get a new one, you know, now, you know, with, with the, um, the various offers that there are, cause I know for some people, you know, it's also a matter of finances, but with, um, yes, that would be mine. Too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what I would suggest to you is, is look at some of the financing options. There are some interest free offers through Apple and through the carriers. And if you bring your number and you trade in a phone, sometimes they'll give you a device. I mean, you could probably, I can't say this for a fact, don't hold me to this, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you could get like a, um, a 10 R or an iPhone SE second generation completely free. Again, don't, don't hold me to that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, wouldn't you know, mind, I might, I might not mind the SE. I don't want anything without a home button though. Well, the S yeah. Then the SE second generation would be, uh, would be the way to go there. Cause that's still, I mean, that's, you know, even that's last year's device, but that's way, way newer than the, um, uh, the one you mentioned, the success. So, you know, th that would be a good move there because you'd be jumping I mean, I, several processors. I don't really ahead. care if it goes really slow. Uh, I mean, the majority of my stuff, I'm going to be using it like to make calls and texts and stuff like that. I, until I, until I really know what I'm doing with. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, anyway, it's, it's definitely touch screen that I've ever had. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, usable and i think the 6s is right now still is the success running 14 cliff don't get me to line i have no idea yeah i can't remember 
<clears throat> All right. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of uh, insight into it anyway. Okay. We have um, Karen M. Her hand is raised again. Okay. I just wanted to share that I have a 6S Plus and I got it in 2015 when it first came out and it still runs on iOS 14. So Okay. So it is still running 14. That's what I, I yeah, I was thinking that, but I couldn't remember for sure. Thank and it you, runs, man. it runs pretty well. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We have no more hands raised. Wait, we do. I, I'm sorry. I take that back. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. All right. It is Randy's iPhone and you may unmute. Okay. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, just want to say that the couple people that were last talking, uh, I have the old SE, which has the specs of a 6S, and 14 is the last cycle that it's going to run, and my SE was running pretty slow because I upgraded to the new SE, uh, <clears throat> so I would encourage the lady that was, uh, I don't know if her name was Beth, the one that had the 7, I would encourage you to update if you can to the SE second generation, which is what I currently have, and it works quite nicely. And then I had a question <clears throat> about, a I don't know if you want to call it a bug, but one of the things I'm noticing since I got my new SE is that on phone calls, voiceover gets really low. And I've tried audio docking, I've turned it on, I've turned it off. And I'm talking about phone calls where I need to enter in like numbers and such and so forth. I can't hear voiceover. So I'm wondering if that's an issue or somebody said it was, but I'm just checking with y'all. So thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. I, I have not noticed that. Um, have you, Cliff, with, with phone calls? I haven't noticed that, but there's also a setting that I think that you have to adjust. I can't remember where it is, but it basically makes sure voiceover doesn't go low during phone calls. I've only seen it once because somebody mentioned it to me, but I have never used it because I'm not a real big phone user, per se, for tone, for, for phone calls anyway. <clears throat> hey, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say we have no more raised hands. Okay. Um, all right. Well, uh, we may be able to uh, end a little bit early today, but I, I'll just uh, say a couple more things quickly. Um, as I mentioned, <coughs> it's, a, it's a great time to start right now because uh, the releases are, uh, the updates are incremental uh, since we're in the middle of the 14 cycle. Uh, they're very stable because we're, you know, winding. I mean, I think you're going to see, if I had to guess, I think you're going to see a 14.6. Uh, you know, I would not be at all surprised, but, uh, you know, we're still getting close. And 14.5 is, oh boy, I would, I would not be surprised if that's released next week because there's an Apple event next Tuesday. And so I'm imagining they're going to release. Yeah, I, I imagine it'll be available right after the keynote, if not before or during right. or during. Right. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Either I mean, that we already go, we already got the gold master. So and, and that's what I was going to say. If you become a beta tester today, you'll be testing pretty much the same thing the public's going to get next week. So it's a really good time to to start. And and that also just reminds me of um, one other thing I want to say. The beta testers job is never really done if you choose to stay with it, because once the, like, if we get 14.5 next Tuesday, as, as Cliff and I are suspecting we could, we will probably get a 14.6 or 14.5.1 or something to beta test 
you know, the following week. So it's, we are always, always moving forward. Uh, you're always getting the newest software and getting to test that uh, right away. And, you know, by the time it's, it's out to the public, you don't stay on it very long. Um, and uh, there will be a, you know, a little gap once the, uh, you know, the 15 is first announced, but basically that's how that goes. So um, it's an exciting thing. And, and to that end, I want to announce the Apple event that Apple has announced uh, next Tuesday. That's April the 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern, noon central. You're going to be able to live stream Apple's spring-loaded event. Now, of course, Apple doesn't discuss unannounced products. We don't really know what they're going to release. There's a lot of rumors swirling around, though. Um, perhaps a new iPad Pro, maybe some other iPads, uh, rumors about AirTags. There's rumors about iMacs, all sorts of rumors. We're looking forward to a new Apple TV. I mean, we love the Apple TV we have, but we're hearing about a lot of new features and we're looking forward to that. Not a lot of evidence to suggest that that's coming next week, though. That may be a few months off yet or or more. We don't know, but we could be surprised. Um, so it's hard to say what all they're going to announce. But TTJ will be celebrating this event as we often do. And that is we usually have a, what we like to call a pregame show which starts an hour early, so 12 noon Eastern, 11 Central. And we kind of sit down and we talk virtually about what we expect at the event and things like that. We'll be doing that Tuesday, Trainer Cliff and Stir It Up. And of course, myself and all of the TTJ team hopefully will be there. We usually uh, have some of our other colleagues like Tim Kilburn and um, John Panarese of Mac for the Blind usually joins us for a little bit if he can. Uh, they're pretty busy, so they don't always... Uh, get to but they they try to if they can and uh the public's welcome too we'll be using webex and so what you gonna oh and and so that's an hour early and then you can live stream the event right in the apple tv app on any of your apple devices if you don't use the apple tv app and you're not comfortable using it you can also do it on youtube or on safari even um and so uh then after the live event whenever it ends we come back and do a post game wrap up discuss everything that's been announced. And that will take the place of next Tuesday's virtual help session. We always have these help sessions every Tuesday and Thursday, but that one is going to be replaced by this event highlights wrap up. So if you'd like more information about that, we want you to get in touch with us by going to ttjtech.net. That's Tango Tango Juliet and then T-E-C-H dot N-E-T. And also stiritup.com. But stir is spelled with a U. So S-T-U-R-I-T-U-P. Dot com. Subscribe to both of our blogs because we both have uh, lots of information and we don't have the Apple event info up there yet, but it will be within the next day or so. So get subscribed to that blog and then you'll see it. And uh, and just for anybody who wants to be a public beta, um, well, first of all, let me say, if you're not going to beta test, don't join the group. That's what it says on the page. Um, we don't want no, like Matt said, lurkers. We want people who are serious about um te beta testing helping us as we like to say in the intro squash the bugs and let's beta test together but the subscribe address is public beta users plus subscribe at groups.io and there's a dash between each word until you get to the plus sign so um again you can also find that information on both our blogs i think me and matt have a post that we can resubmit because it's going to apply with the same um, guidelines that we always put up so yeah, we'll definitely be sharing all kinds of information after the WWDC event in June. Uh, we'll be sharing lots of info. We'll, we usually have a, a WebEx or Zoom call 
uh, for those who want to beta test, you know, to talk about actually many of the things we discussed today. Uh, so that'll come in June. But as I said, you can start now and uh, you can experience a very, very solid uh, release. Again, I, I can't talk about everything that's in 14.5. I can tell you a couple of the things that have been announced publicly, uh, like the new ad tracking um, toggle, which lets you be aware of whether you're being tracked by third party apps and websites and give permission to that or deny access to it. Um, that's one of the most notable features that's been announced publicly. Another thing that's been announced uh, pretty um, pretty solidly across the board is this idea that you can now unlock your iPhone with your Apple Watch uh, if you're wearing a mask out in public. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and there are lots of other little tweaks, um, some of which we probably could talk about, but I just don't remember off the top of my head which ones they are and some of which we can't because they've not been shared publicly yet. But you know, as I said, it all kind of blurs together after a while. I don't remember what was in 14.4 versus <laughs> what was in 14.5 because we've been on it for a good while now. Um, so uh, you won't be disappointed if you install 14.5. Uh, I can tell you that. Um, any last questions before we call it a day? Uh, there are no hands raised. I, I wonder if I could ask a question, though. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, if you went into this, I'm I'm sorry I missed it. But how do you actually uh, sign up to become a beta tester, and how does Apple decide who gets to beta test? So anybody that wants to beta test can. Uh, there's no you know approval process. The only time you'd have an issue is if you are found to be violating the terms of the NDA. So all you got to do is is go to Safari on uh, the device that you plan to beta test with and go to beta.apple.com and you'll sign in. And if it's the first time you've signed in on that device, you might have to do the two-factor authentication uh, code if you have that enabled uh, for your Apple ID. And you'll also have to agree to that non-disclosure agreement first thing. And then they'll just bring you in there and you pick which thing you're trying to test, iOS, iPad OS, TV OS, Mac, you know, whatever. And there'll be an option to, to uh, get started and enroll a device in the program. And that's where it downloads the profile for you. And you'll go to settings and you'll install that profile. And uh, on iOS, it makes you restart the device. I don't even remember on Mac. Uh, I did it when I first got my Mac. But oh, I yeah, you got to restart because it has to install the update. It actually restarts twice. So, Yes, when it's installing the update, it does restart twice. You're right. I remember that. And, that, yeah, so just go to software update. Then. So, yeah, it, it's pretty straightforward. But beta.apple.com, that's where it all kind of begins. Okay, thank you. And if you're going to do the watch, it just asks you if you have, because me and my wife have multiple, both we share the same Apple ID and we have separate, or we have both have watches. So when I did the watch uh, beta last year, it asked me what watch I wanted to install it on. So I identified that it was mine and selected it and then just did it to restart process. And as long as it's on the charger to do it. So that's the and only difference with the beta, the watch beta. That's right. And and I will tell you that watch and and Apple TV both, they don't really have a way for you to restore to a stable release if you're not happy with the beta. So just be careful with that. The old Apple TV HD, if you still have one of those, I'm not talking about the ones with the big metal non-Siri remote. It's still the Siri one, uh, but it's the Apple TV HD instead of the 4K. If you have an Apple TV HD, it actually can be restored 
because it has a USB-C port. That USB-C port has been removed from the Apple TV 4K. So there is no way to restore an Apple TV um, to the stable release. I one time had an issue that I thought was going to be a deal breaker, and I called Apple and asked them if there was anything that they could do. And they actually were willing to make an exception to me and replace the entire Apple TV. But to be very clear, they didn't have to do that. That just happened to be a very courteous agent who decided to do it and got permission to. They could have easily just said to me, look, you're out of luck, buddy. Just sit tight and wait. You installed the beta. You knew what you were getting into. So they did and, send you a new Apple TV there? Well, I didn't I didn't make them. Whenever I when they, they got they said that they would and they actually sent me a box. They said, if you want to do it, you know, just send us this one and we will replace it. But it was the next beta and the problem was solved. So I I didn't I didn't proceed with it then. So basically but they, you didn't yeah. exercise what we tell everybody and wait and be patient. Right, right. I mean, and it's right. not like there was your only Apple TV in the house. Right. but you know so these are just the things to keep in mind your your apple tv and your watch are not going to be able to be restored to the stable version if you decide to beta test with them so you know just be cautious about that but um yeah that's that's about it okay there's still no more questions all right right, well thank you diane and you all have a good weekend yep everybody god bless you and take care and we'll see you back here next week